Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we got to religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors, and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio, and we are going to head out to Kennesaw State University. Just a moment to listen in as Todd speaks with unsuspecting students. Unsuspecting of what? It's odd for one. How providential is this? Was just looking to buy a house and I bump into Mateo, the real estate agent. Dude, you're going to school and you're a real estate agent. Yes, that's right. You're an, you're an overachiever and you're from Ecuador. Tell me, in Ecuador, how does living there compare to living here in Georgia? Well, Ecuador is a beautiful country. I um, I really enjoy living there. I came here to the United States uh, to um, for school purposes and also because there's more job here opportunity and um, I want to pursue my real estate license and I did it. Tell me everything you know about the Easter holiday. Well, Eastern, um, I know... Um, a bunch of families like to celebrate here. Uh, unfortunately, in Ecuador, we don't celebrate it. Um, we don't do like a, a, a party for it. Um, we have another culture. So I don't really have much to tell about it. I just know um, people here enjoy it, and especially kids, because I know with the bunny and the candies and um, yeah. So that kind of surprises me because I would have thought Ecuador is a Roman Catholic country. Am I wrong? Um, you're not wrong, actually. They, um, they're my people over there. They're pretty Catholic. Um, I am Catholic as well. Um, but oh, wait a second, you're Catholic and you don't know what Easter is? Uh, well, actually, I, I think I'm a bad Catholic now that you're saying that. Yeah, uh, maybe I just didn't pay a lot of attention. But um, you know, I try to go to church every Sunday. I actually went this Sunday, but I just don't. I don't really go too much into okay the what Easter is and all you know the details. Right. So Easter is probably the most important holiday in the Christian calendar. It's like the biggest deal, bigger than Christmas, bigger than any other day that Christians celebrate. It's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Have you ever heard about that? Yes. Actually, okay, so you I know something about I, it. I know. I know, I know uh, something about it. Maybe I just didn't catch just the name, maybe in Spanish. Uh, I, I, uh, I will say you would call it like the resurrección of uh, Jesus. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. I know about it. Yeah. Okay. So you, you call it the, that's maybe it was just a language barrier issue. Yeah. We call it Easter. You call it Resurrection Sunday in Ecuador? Uh, Easter. Let me let, let me um think for a word in Spanish. Is uh, Pascua. That's what it is. Yep. El Domingo de Pascua. Yep. What does Pascua mean? I think I know. Pascua. Um, I don't. I don't know exactly what the word means. I can like Google it. I pretty much. That's what I do <laughs> all right. All right. The yeah. res the Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. What was the meaning? What was the point of all of that? The point of the resurrection. So basically, um, I can, I can think as uh, people were um, maybe uh, sorry for all that happened, and 
I think it's more like a, an experience of how superior God is in Jesus, and He showed people of uh, the mercy that He has, and He uh, arose. Mateo, let me let me take you down a path for a moment and see if you track with me. All right, and we'll see if we can maybe come up with something that's more significant, more important about Easter. All right, you're a young man, but someday, no doubt, like the rest of us you'll die and you stand before God, what is God going to say to you or what will he do with you when he judges you for your life on earth? I think he is going to be um, impressed and he's going to be also probably merciful because try to be honest, you know, I'm not perfect like uh, a human, but I think he, he'll be happy. He'll be happy to uh, see all that achieved in my life and not just um, about uh, material things, but also internal. I've worked a lot and I consider myself an um, honest person. Can I test you on that theory? Yeah. You said you're an honest person. Have you ever told any lies in your life? Absolutely. All right. So if you've told lies, that would actually make you a dishonest person, wouldn't it? Exactly. I We can talk about this, like uh, uh, the relative truth. So, you know, for someone can be something true, for someone else it can be different. It's something that is, is probably hard to understand at one point, but, you know, nobody is like has is saying the truth, like a handful. I, 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 I totally agree with you. I think I think we're all the same. Sometimes you can you can be saying the truth before someone else can be lying, right? So it, it goes to that. So I'm being honest by saying that I say lies, but at the same time, you know you're lying because you say lies. So it's, it's some of those things that you don't know. <laughs> so I'm, me too, I've, I've told lies, way too many lies. I lied to my parents when I was a kid. I lied to teachers just to get myself off the hook to protect myself. I would kind of shade the truth a little bit. And I think we all do that. All right. You talked about like inside in your thinking. Speaking of parents, did you always obey your parents? Uh, no. Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Mateo, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Wow, that's a tough question. I um, probably I didn't intend to do it that way, but um, it probably you know I've lived twenty six years now, so that's a uh, it's a lot of years. So guilty of that also. All right, what about ever using God's name in vain? Do you know what that means? Using God's name? Have you ever done that? Used God's name as a curse word? Uh, no, I don't like to curse or uh, say uh, you know. Say uh, uh, swear words, I swear like God this. Um, no, I don't. Not in Spanish or in English. No. Good on you. All right. So here, but here's what we've learned, Mateo. That if God opens the books on you and He knows your thought life, He knows everything you've done, whether people have seen it or not, and He judges you based on the knowledge that you've lied, that you didn't honor your parents, you've looked with lust, perhaps you've taken things that didn't belong to you, desired things that weren't yours, all, all violations of God's commandments. Do you think God would see you, Mateo, as innocent or guilty if he judges you by the statutes of his laws, innocent or guilty? 
Um, I think it pretty much comes down to how I act when I'm in front of him, uh, because um, like the Bible says, I don't know exactly where, but if you uh, if you're sorry uh, of the acts that you committed, the things that you know that are wrong, uh, he's gonna forgive you. So I know that for all the bad that I've done, if I truly feel sorry about it, I think he is gonna be okay with that and he's gonna be happy with me. Let me reason with you. Let's say a criminal appears before a judge on earth and the judge knows that he's guilty. He's going to sentence him as a guilty criminal. But the criminal says, but your honor, I'm sorry. I should not have done those things. It's good that the criminal is sorry, but that does not remove the guilt of his crimes. And even though the judge maybe sees the criminal crying and saying that he's sorry, the criminal still has to pay for the crimes that he's committed. So being sorry isn't enough to get you off the hook. Same thing would be true with God. You stand before God, you're 26 years, the things that you've done wrong that he knows about, even though you might be sorry, if you're guilty, wouldn't a good judge have to sentence you to jail? Shouldn't God send guilty criminals to hell instead of to heaven? Um, you are right. But I think the difference here is that uh, the judge has to obey a set of laws made for humans, right? So um, he just has to follow them. And you, just for being sorry as a delinquent, you're just not going to, you know, be free. I think uh, whereas uh, God's eyes, if, um, you know, that I think it's different. And like we can compare that to a human situation because he, he's God, right? So he, he may his own rules and that this thing that I said about, you know, if you're sorry in front of him when you're dying and uh, he forgives you. I mean, that's why it says on the Bible and he probably wants to give one more chance to people that are truly sorry. I'm not saying like probably someone in front of a judge says, I'm sorry, but they probably, you don't know if they are or not. God probably knows if you're tr truly sorry. And, and that's why he takes his decision. Like that's how he makes it. I, I, that's why. All right. I've got a Bible verse for you. The Bible says all liars, all fornicators, so people who even lust, all adulterers, all blasphemers, all thieves, will have their part in a lake of fire. It is appointed unto man to die once, and then comes judgment. The Bible says lying lips are an abomination to God, and God judges us when we die and if he finds us guilty because he's just, because he loves the law, he must punish lawbreakers. He must. Otherwise, he wouldn't be just. He'd be a bad judge. Now, let's see if we can break the tension that perhaps you're feeling right now. Because if you and I stood before God, as is, we'd be guilty and we'd be headed to hell. And that's... The law. And Mateo is, I wouldn't necessarily say pushing back, but like Todd said, there's some tension there. And we're going to listen in as Todd goes farther in the gospel with Mateo. That's next on Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear... Everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so 
helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Basil of Caesarea was a bishop of Caesarea in the 4th century. He was a defender of orthodoxy and wrote several important works, proving the divinity of the Holy Spirit and refuting the Arian heresy. Most importantly, he introduced the Trinitarian formula, describing God as one being and three persons. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. And when we broke, we were listening in as Todd was sharing the gospel with Mateo from Ecuador. The law and our standing before God had just been presented to Mateo, but there is more to this story. If you and I stood before God, as is, we'd be guilty and we'd be headed to hell. Let's go back to Easter. Jesus Christ is God who took on a human flesh and he lived 33 years without ever breaking the laws. He never lusted. He never lied. He never dishonored his parents. He always did what was right because he was God in the flesh. And then he was brutally beaten, nailed to a cross. Three days later, 
he rose from the grave. That's Easter. There was something that was happening there. There was a reason for all of that. It's not just kind of a gruesome story. Jesus Christ came to this earth on a mission to live the perfect life you and I can't live and to die the death that you and I should die forever in hell. So Jesus, while on the cross, was taking the wrath you deserve on himself. And in exchange, Jesus then can forgive you and give you all of his goodness, all the times that he kept the laws, he'll give that to you. So you give him all of your crimes and he gives you all of his goodness. That's what was happening the weekend of Easter. Jesus was dying on behalf of sinners so that when you stand before God, rather than being found guilty, God will see you as innocent because Jesus Christ paid your fine by dying for sinners. That's what Easter is about. The payment for your sins took place. And then when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that was as if it were the receipt for the payment to the Father. So that's what Easter is about, Mateo, so that you can actually be forgiven because the truth is we're not good. I, yeah, now actually that you mentioned that, then I know what Easter is because um, I know a little bit about that story that you were uh, telling us right now. And um, all that I knew is uh, he died and he gave his blood away so we um we can go uh to heaven um back in the day when uh, before jesus christ right they had to um kill animals uh, and offer them right so god for can give forgiveness to the people and i think that's pretty much what he did with us so we can stop that and um you know be um safe and go to heaven that's that's no you're exactly right in fact on thursday before easter it's called passover it's a Jewish holiday. It's in the Old Testament. This is when the Jewish people lived in the land of Egypt and God delivered them from death. If they would take lamb's blood and put it on their doorposts, death would pass over. Are you familiar with the Passover story? Uh, no. Well, that's basically it. The Jewish people were in Egypt and God was delivering them. He sent 10 plagues to Pharaoh, right? Do you remember the plagues? Okay. And the last one was death of the firstborn. But God said to the Jewish people, if you will put the blood of a lamb on your doorpost, death will pass over. That was Thursday night before Jesus died because he's our Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, Mateo, here's here's the here's the crucial part of our conversation. So after we talked a little bit, you understand what Easter is, what Resurrection Sunday is. But here's the big issue, though. Forgiveness is available to you, to me to everyone, but how do you get forgiven by God? How do you receive mercy from God because of Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say that you must do to be made right with God? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I can. all I can think of is, um, you know, follow the rules uh, written in the Bible. I got something better for you. The problem is we can't follow the rules. That's our problem. We're human. We're human. We're exactly. We are human and we can't follow the rules. And the Bible actually contradicts our thinking that we're good people. The Bible says nobody does good, not one. Even though we like to say we're good, in God's eyes, we're not. 
And we need mercy. We need grace. We need forgiveness. And Jesus Christ offers it to you as a free gift. He will grant you everlasting life if you will turn from your sins and put your trust in him, believe in him, just like you believe in a parachute that it could save you. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Totally free gift. Then, Mateo, then you'll try to keep the rules, not in order to be forgiven, but because you've already been forgiven. The good news of the gospel is complete forgiveness, that you'll be adopted into God's family. And as an adopted son, God will never abandon you. He'll never cast you off. He'll never send you to hell because you're adopted because of Jesus Christ. If you'll put your trust in him, not works, faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus said to a man one day that you must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of God. Mateo, have you been born again? I can take uh, the born again like a change from bad to good. Is that what you're asking me? Well, we have to figure out what it means to be born again. Because obviously you're not going back into your mother's womb. You can't do that. So it's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual rebirth. Earlier you said something, Mateo. You said that when you stand before God, he's going to be pretty pleased with you that you've done well overall, right? The Bible says the exact opposite. We confuse our goodness. We think it's good because we tend to compare ourselves to bad people or to criminals. But when we compare ourselves to God, perfection and holiness, we're not good at all. And only when we realize that, when we come to the conclusion, God is right, I'm wrong, I'm not good, I'm bad, I'm done trying to please God with my works, and you turn to Jesus Christ and you believe in him and his works, that's what it means to be born again. You come to the end of yourself, you die to your self-righteousness and you put your trust in Jesus. And God says that he'll make you born again. He'll make you alive in Christ where you trust Jesus, not yourself, not your own goodness, but you trust in his son's goodness. That's what it means to be born again. So then I'd ask it this way, Mateo, have you come to that conclusion? You're a bad man. Jesus is a good savior and you need him. I uh, agree with you. Uh, I'm not, I know I'm not perfect. I'm human, but uh, you know, I will say that it will be hard to know if you, I'm 100% sure I'm reborn, right? I don't think uh, we can judge that to ourselves. Have you ever been really close to dying in a car accident? Um, I had a one car accident and it was a uh, rare ended. It was just fast, but I, it wasn't, it, it wasn't. I, you didn't fear for your life. I didn't have time. Imagine, you know, if you were ever confronted with death, somebody was going to try to kill you or you were going to get hit by a car, but you escaped death. You remember that because it's a big deal. You almost died. Being born again is similar when you realize Man, if I get judged by God, I'm going to hell. I'm going to die forever. But then when you hear that Jesus already died for you and he saves you and he snatches you out of the jaws of death to give you life, that's as memorable 
as almost being killed in a car accident. So my challenge to you today, Mateo, you're mature, you're 26, so you kind of got things figured out in life. You're settled. I would plead with you today to think about two things. Is it true when the Bible says you're not a good person? If you're judged by God, okay, not based on keeping the laws or not selling homes and not being dishonest. No, God demands perfection. And I would encourage you to be willing to think about the state of your soul based on perfection. And if you conclude the Bible is right when it says I'm an unclean person, I need a blood sacrifice. And if you then believe that Jesus Christ is that blood sacrifice for you, then I would beg you to put your trust in him because you don't know when you might be taken out in a car accident. You don't know when you might die. And more than that, Mateo, this isn't so much just about getting out of hell because that's a terrifying thought. Let's be honest. This is more about God died to save sinners and you can know him and you can be forgiven by him. You can pray to him and talk to him. You can learn about him from the Bible. You can be in a relationship with God who is the best being in the universe. That's why you should think about putting your trust in Jesus Christ because he's the best thing there is. So I would simply ask you today as you go about your business on the campus, thinking about your clients in real estate, this is more urgent and more important for you today to ponder because if it's true that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you've got a day of judgment coming and he's willing to save you from that day today. Fair enough? Fair enough. Thank you so much. I um, You remind me everything about Eastern because I, I didn't know I knew. And yeah, I uh, I, I really like the um, this uh, um, analogy uh, about uh, Eastern. And you know, not to come across as sounding too harsh, but Easter, not an analogy to like. It is an account of a factual event to believe. So let's all pray for Mateo and stick with us because we have more Witness Wednesday coming up. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. New York Governor Kathy Hochul gave a surprising response during a gubernatorial debate this week against Republican nominee Lee Zeldin over Zeldin's insistence that criminals be sent to jail. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. By the same token, Governor Hochul, I'm not quite sure why it's not important to you. All over America, we are continuing to see that the grades of students, their testing scores are collapsing. And Nicholas Giordano recently talked with The Daily Wire. He's a professor of political science at Suffolk Community College in New York and a higher education fellow with the Leadership Institute's campus reform. And he said, quote, this country's education system isn't really based on education anymore. It's based on the idea of indoctrination and activism. He continued by saying one of the scariest things to know is that 12th grade textbooks and 11th grade textbooks are based on the 7th grade reading level. And he emphasized that education is one of the main issues in the 2022 midterms because parents have become aware that schools have failed the students. And as unfortunate as it is, I would give that a big old hearty 
Amen. I think it may have been last year when the San Francisco Gay Choir came out with the video that we're coming for your children. Well, that's exactly what they're doing, especially in Indiana, where one set of parents have lost custody of their child because a court ruled because they did not affirm their child's gender identity, that was abuse. Because of said parents did not allow their child to play make-believe with reality, that child has now been taken by the courts from their parents' custody. That is what we should be labeling as child abuse. I'm not sure if you caught this or not, but conservative Matt Walsh was invited earlier this week by the Young America's Foundation to speak at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And of course, there were protesters who showed up to protest his presence. And of course, there were the profane accusations of racism, all while practicing racism. But that wasn't the only thing that happened at the event. Parts of the campus were vandalized by the protesters, and one group of protesters shredded pages of the Bible and started to eat them. I'm not quite sure what point that gets across, and it appears that instead of holding those protesters accountable for the vandalism of the campus, the woke administration at the University of Wisconsin-Madison instead released an apology to the protesters for Walsh even coming to the campus, because apparently his presence hurt their feelings. <laughs> that feels about par for the course in the world we're living in right now. You break the law, and instead of being held accountable for breaking the law, if hurt feelings are the reason you broke the law, well then you're going to be apologized to. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First and Second Chronicles traces God's unfolding plan from Adam through the Babylonian captivity. When you wonder what God is doing in the world, Chronicles shows us this pattern. He is calling a people to himself, placing them under the rule of his king, and preparing them for worship. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and let's get back to Todd now on campus at Kennesaw State University. Welcome to Sports Talk. The subject today is tennis. You're a tennis player, is that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you on the baseball team? I'm not. You want to be on the baseball team? I do not. Well, what's this about? I used to play baseball, and I was coming here open to meet people, but no one Aha. here. So just to throw the ball. Yeah. It's a good way to meet folks. Yeah. All right. So you're studying to become what at Kennesaw State? An entrepreneur. In order to start your own thing, make a bunch of money. Yep. Is that the chief end of life, do you think, making a lot of money? No. What do you think it is? Things to live a fulfilling life. How do you define that? The way I define it is doing things that I enjoy. A lot of people are so worried about what other people think about them, but I like to do my own thing. Right. So if you do your own thing and you get to do that your entire life, you will say that was a fulfilled life. Yes. Does it matter what the activities are or does it just matter how I feel about the activities? How I feel about the activity. So what happens, do you suppose? You're a pretty young guy, but what would happen maybe in a decade or two or three when your tastes change and you realize that the things that you've been pursuing to make you fulfilled really aren't. Is that a possibility? I suppose it is, but I like to think I'm pretty adaptable. So you would say the chief end of man is to do things that make you happy. Yes. Do you know what philosophical period that philosophy would fall under? I do not. Probably romantic age, the romantic period. 
self, what makes me happy, living the way that I want to, what brings me fulfillment. That's how I should live. And I should throw off the constraints of culture, society, government, laws, rules, church, God, values, parents, so that I can do the things that make me happy. That's the romantic philosophy, kind of in a nutshell. Do you think that's a good worldview? I don't know. I know a lot of people would see it differently, but that's how I see it. So you would say, yeah, that you're a romantic. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Now, how do you know that that's the right way to live? I don't. But like I said, do what makes you happy. I'm happy. What happens if you find yourself in a situation where you're not happy? What will life mean then? Uh, it means I got to make a change. Okay. Let's, let's, just, let's just imagine for a second, whatever it is that brings you joy, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. For some reason, the deals don't work out. You find yourself in a boatload of debt. You can't get credit. Nobody's willing to bring you on because it just hasn't quite worked out. Would that mean that life no longer has purpose? I think it still means you're looking for purpose. Is it possible that there's maybe a better way of looking at life rather than trying to find the latest thing that makes me happy? What about having a worldview and a disposition that just is happy no matter what I do? Wouldn't that be a superior worldview? I suppose. It, I don't know, I'm pretty happy all the time, so okay. it's hard to tell if it's coming from my worldview because, like I said, I am happy most of the time, but I also like to do things that make me happy. Are there any rules to that game? No rules. Come on. It's <laughs> on the Gordon Gecko. Of course, there. you know who that is, by the way. I do not. <laughs> Dated reference. He was a Wall Street. I think the movie was called Wall Street. And he would say, greed is good. Just make a lot of money. Even if it hurts people, too bad I'm making money. Would you agree with Gordon Gecko? I don't like hurting people, but. Serious question. Why not? I mean, if it makes you happy, it provides you the fulfillment that you need to have a satisfied life. Why not bruise some people along the way? Hurting people doesn't make me happy. But ultimately, you squash them, you get more stuff, it makes you happy. Well, my happiness doesn't come from the accrual of stuff. It's uh, my actions that make me happy. So just living life. Yeah. Do you have any sort of religious background? Uh, yeah, I used to go to church, uh, Hebrew and Baptist church with my family. Which used I, to? I haven't gone recently. How come? Uh, I've just been caught up with other stuff. Yeah. University activities, etc. cetera. Uh -huh. So would you consider yourself a Baptist? I guess, yeah. So if I said to you, I'd like to be a Baptist, what would you tell me to do? I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> really? So how did you become a Baptist? Going to Baptist church, I guess. Okay, so if I go to church, I become a Baptist? I don't know if you become a Baptist. I guess uh, you're studying in the Baptist church. So what do you think it means to be a Baptist? I really don't know. I'm fascinated. How many years did you go to that Baptist church? Uh, a lot of years, but I haven't been since I started college, and I'm a junior now. Right. So it's been a couple of years since I've been. Where did you go in high school? Yeah, some. It started to taper off in high school. How come? Just not interested, maybe. I guess. I don't know, because it was really my family that controlled it. Yeah. So my, if my parents went to church, I went with them. Yeah. If they didn't go, I didn't go. That's typically the Bible Belt. That's kind of the way that it works. 
kids kind of become what their parents were, what have you. But it sounds, have you rejected that or are you just kind of hanging back a little bit, waiting to figure it out? I haven't rejected it. I guess I'm just hanging back. Can you tell me in a nutshell, forget Baptist for a moment, the Christian religion, can you tell me what the main idea is in that Christian worldview? I guess not, because, I don't know, for me personally, I just like to believe that there's something bigger than myself out there, like like a God. But I think that's pretty intuitive that there is something bigger than us because we see the intricate design of the world. We see too many things that require intelligence to happen all by themselves. So I think concluding there must be something superior to us. I think that's pretty intuitive. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So then I guess the question would be, who is it? Who is God? That's the question. I don't know. I did see something that, or a theory that I did like, is that someone said that man is selfish. So we see God like we see ourselves. We expect it to be a person when really it could be like a fish, a tree, a body of water. How's about this? See if this, see if this tracks. If I look at this creation, it should tell me something about the creator. So, for instance, these buildings, it tells me a little something about the architect. If I see a painting, it tells me a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit about the painter. When I hear music, it tells me about the musician. So let's take a look at the creation to see what we might learn from the creator. Do you know how vast this universe is, how wide it is? It's infinite. It's 100 billion light years from end to end. Do you know how many universes there are out there? Billions. Yeah, Yeah, so it's just just massive. Okay, the creation can't be bigger than the creator. The creator has to be bigger, all right? There's a ton of power. The sun just lights up everything, an amazing amount of energy. So I can intuit this God is big and he's powerful. I can... I can surmise he's creative because look at this. I mean, it's just beautiful and the different, even just people and the dogs and the intricacies of nature. So this being is big, he's powerful, he's creative, he's artistic because this is gorgeous. I would also intuit he's communicative because we communicate and the creation isn't going to have something on the creator. So if we communicate, he communicates. Right. We're relational. You came out here to throw a ball with a complete stranger because you just dig being with people. Or maybe you were looking for a date or whatever because we get married because we like people. We're in relationship. I intuit God is too. He's relational because we're relational. He communicates because we communicate. He's creative. He's powerful. He's artistic. And I would toss in, he's just. Because you and I have court systems for a reason. There's something inside of us that says bad deeds need to be punished. There's right, there's wrong, there's good, there's bad. And if you do bad, you deserve to be punished. And I think there's a reason for that because the God who made us must be just also. And he must have a system of punishment for right and wrong. That's what I've intuited about examining the creation to try to figure out the creator. Would you affirm that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we know a lot about his attributes. Here is the one that I mentioned. He's communicative. He communicates because we communicate. Question. Has God spoken? I believe so. How? I don't know. He hadn't spoken directly to me, but I know a lot of people that would say that he's spoken. 
because they hear a voice, perhaps? I don't know if it's a voice or if it's a feeling, but... How's about a written document? Would that be an acceptable communication? If God wrote you a letter and sent it to you, would that be sufficient for you to say, this is what God is communicating to me and this is what he is revealing to me as truth? Yeah. What if I said he did? And it's called the Bible. He wrote that? No, great question. The doctrine of inspiration says that men wrote down exactly what God wanted them to write while never violating their personalities. So they were actually writing while God was inspiring them. Uh, The Greek word actually is like the wind that fills a sail. The Holy Spirit filled them to write down what God wanted them to write down. And stop. It's break time. We've got to step away just a moment. And when we return, we'll jump right back into Todd's chat here with this guy. The one who shall go nameless. This is Wretched Radio. If and you don't mind me saying so, I resonate with this sentiment from Dan Steiner of Preborn Ministries. To be able to look across America and see this holocaust of abortion and know that people like you are doing something about it. It's one thing to say that we're against abortion, but it's really another to take action. Do you resonate? With that sentiment, then please consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Ultrasounds save lives. For $28, you will be providing an ultrasound that 80% of the time causes the mother to choose life. That's really doing something. May I ask, how many babies' lives could you save for $28 each? Preborn Ministries also preaches the gospel to the mommies and the daddies. And you can learn more at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. In November 2020, Tim Challies and his wife Aileen received the phone call every parent dreads. Their 20-year-old son Nick, while away at seminary, collapsed and died. As Tim and his wife traveled to Louisville, Tim began to do the only thing he knew to do to process his loss. He began to write. And now all of his writings, some of which have been shared publicly, some not until now for the first time, have all been compiled into his latest book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Seasons of Sorrow is a book for anyone that is loved and lost. It benefits those that are working through sorrow or those that are comforting others. You'll not only see how God is sovereign over loss, but how good he is in those moments. You'll discover how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith, and you'll learn biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. Seasons of Sorrow, available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Typical radio commercials will have one big shebang, the opening line. Do we have your attention now? This particular commercial has eight Have we got your attention now? MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing, will save the average family $500 per month. 
Second, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to typical health insurance. Double, that's that's times two if you weren't homeschooled. A massive network of providers to choose from. MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. They've been around for 25 years. $4 billion in healthcare bills have been shared. If you call them now, you will save on the joining fee. They're going to erase it. That's another $170. This is a limited time offer, which means make it snappy. Call 1-844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Did I mention 844-34-BIBLE to get your MediShare quote in under two minutes? God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is administration, the spiritual ability to guide, govern, manage, and correct. Church leaders are charged with keeping the church on the biblical path. As God has given that charge, He has also provided the gifts which enable us to fulfill that charge. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we return. This is Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. And we have been eavesdropping on Todd, having a really good chat with a future entrepreneur at Kennesaw State University. So now the question is, if the claim of the Bible is it's God's letter to you, how do we know that God wrote it? I don't know. I would suggest to you we look inside of its pages to see if what it says about itself is true. For instance, if I said to you, the president lives in the White House, there's a statement. I could prove it to you by taking you to Washington, D.C. We go up to the White House lawn. We look in the windows. Oh, there's the president. I just proved to you that the president lives in the White House by showing you the president lives in the White House. The Bible says it's God's inspired word. I think if you look inside of its pages, it either substantiates, supports that claim, or it doesn't. So is the Bible God's communication to you? Because if it is, it has some pretty important things to say about the purpose of our life, how we're supposed to live, what the point of it is, how we're to treat each other, and what's going to happen when we die. So tell me, do you think the Bible has the ability to prove itself to be supernatural? Yeah. How? I don't know. (laughs) We can figure this out, I think. What if men spoke about something that happened much later that actually came true? In other words, it was prophetic. How many of those prophecies would have to come true before you went, you know what, there's something special about this book because maybe once in a while somebody can get something right. Like I could say in 200 years, there's going to be another world war. I might be right. But what if I did that hundreds of times? You'd have to go, dude, know something, right? The Bible has hundreds of prophecies. And here's, here's one for you to consider. This is from a book in the Bible. And I want you to tell me what book you think it might be. Right. It says that there was a man who did not have a form of comeliness. In other words, he wasn't a good looking guy. And he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And he was sacrificed as a lamb. He didn't open up his mouth, never uttered a word. We thought that he was paying for his own sins, but he was paying for our sins. The Bible says that. Do you know where, it's, where it describes that? I do not. Do you know who it's describing? Jesus? Yeah, it's describing Jesus. That was written in 700 B.C. before Jesus Christ lived by a prophet named Isaiah who meticulously described exactly what Jesus Christ would do to save his people, die as a lamb that was led to the slaughter. 
Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you remember in the Bible, maybe you remember these stories in youth group, all the lamb sacrifices that took place, you know, killing of lambs, mm. Passover, they had to kill a lamb so that death would pass over. Those were all pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A sacrifice of a lamb or a bull or a goat, it can't forgive sins. It requires a special blood. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. That's what the Bible is about. And here's how you can trust it because of Easter. You know what Easter is, right? Yeah, Jesus Christ died on Easter and then three days later he rose. Yeah. He died on Good Friday and then he rose. Oh, he rose on Easter? Three, that's right, he rose on oh, Easter, okay. right? So we, we celebrate something called Resurrection Sunday. And here's how you can stake your eternity on that. The men who lived with him saw him get murdered brutally beaten to a pulp, hung on a cross publicly. Everybody saw him die, and then they saw him alive three days later. And they were never willing to recant. Under the threat of death, they still held their testimony because they weren't just believing a rumor. They saw it with their own eyes, and they wrote down meticulous details of that so that you could have a communication from God so that you can know what the point of your life is and what's going to happen to you when you die. That's your Christian faith. So the question is, is that the true faith? I don't know. Because if it's true, it says that unless you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will have no part in God's kingdom. You won't go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In other words, every other religion is wrong. I'm it. I'm the only one that you should believe in. Put your trust in me. Your sins are forgiven and you live. Don't and you will perish on the day of judgment. That's kind of a big deal, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Let me try to reason with you for one more moment. Can you hang in there with me for this? Yeah. Because this is gonna get a little brutal, All right? right? All right. Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Would you be guilty of committing that sin, looking with lust? Oh, no, it's because- There's not a guy alive who hasn't. Well, I know that. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, like, sometimes your mind starts to wander, and then you got to reel it back in. So it's not always, like, on purpose that I'm looking at someone and thinking whatever. Regardless of how you get there, we do it, right? Yeah. So if that's true, God sees you as an adulterer at heart. Hold on. It's not done. The Bible says, and Jesus said, You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say, if you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of judgment. And then the Bible goes on to say you're a murderer at heart. So if you've ever been angry at somebody, a bad driver, your parents, a sibling, somebody not showing up for baseball, if you've been unrighteously angry, you're a murderer at heart. Have you ever been angry at somebody? I have. Yeah, me too. All right. Have you always spoken absolute perfect truth or have you ever told lies? I've told lies. Have you ever stolen anything? Once that I can remember. It doesn't matter the value. It's about the heart, the intention, right? It's the act, not so much the object. All right, God and his name. Have you ever used his name in kind of a low way, kind of as a swear word? I have. It's called blasphemy. Has God always been first in your life? Not always. Okay, so here's what I just did. I just opened up like six commandments for you. I want you to imagine now someday... After you've lived your life, God calls your number. You stand before God, the books are opened up, and he sees it all. No excuses, no chin boogie. He knows it all. 
Do you think he would say that you're an innocent or a guilty man? I guess based on that, you say I'm guilty. Me too. Yeah, because we're we break his laws, so we're guilty criminals. If that's true, and God is just, and we've established that he is because we get justice, should God reward you and take you to heaven, or should he punish you by sending you to hell? I guess by that standard, you should punish me. That's what the Bible says, that nobody does good, no, not one. Nobody seeks after God. All of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags because even when we do a nice thing, they tend to have bad motives. And even if they don't, they're still offered to God with dirty hands. So we just have nothing to bring to God but our guilt. That's where Jesus dying on a cross comes in. He took the punishment you and I deserve. He took the wrath that is aimed currently at you, my friend. He took the bullet, if you will. He took God's wrath upon himself. So here's, here's the offer that he has for you today. You give him your rap sheet, your criminal record. You come clean. You admit, I'm not good. I'm a bad man. I'm a dirty man. And I deserve hell. But you trust that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who died to save you from the wrath that is to come. And you put your trust in him. And the Bible says you're going to go from death to life. You're going to go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. You will be a child of the devil no more. You will now be a child of God. Your slate will be forgiven. And he will actually give you his resume. All the righteous deeds that he accumulated, he gives it to you because he's that good. So you can be seen as the righteousness of God in Christ so that God can be just and the justifier of those who believe. So you can be totally forgiven seen as righteous in the eyes of God, go to heaven when you die, and then spend the rest of your days living in response to the God who died to save you, which means you can still become an entrepreneur, but now the meaning is you're serving God in it. You're doing it for him, not for yourself. You do it for the one who died to save you. And that will give you more satisfaction, purpose, and joy than any system that the romantic philosophy could offer you. So now, this day, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. You now know what the Christian truth is about life and the afterlife. Nobody can make you believe that. Nobody can force you to do anything. You can't get in on your parents' coattails. It would be between you and God what you're going to do with this information. So I would ask, in closing, what do you think you're going to do with this information that was just given to you by a perfect stranger. I have to do some thinking for sure. Like with any knowledge, I could go to school, I learn something, yeah. take it home, I think about it, try to understand it. That's fair. It's totally reasonable. Try to do me this favor if you could. Don't let the day pass without finishing your homework assignment. Because here's what'll happen. If you're feeling at all convicted of your sin, if you're starting to realize, wow, I have not been doing this the right way, I do need to be forgiven. I do believe in God and I need to be brought into a relationship with him. You wait till tomorrow, it just becomes a little bit dimmer. Your conscience will get a little bit duller. Sins won't be so sinful to you and your heart is going to get harder. Make it a matter of urgency. Fair enough? Yeah. Because really, like, you're a smart guy. You're going to do just fine in life. You're going to get whatever business you get into. You're going to get all of that stuff. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Who cares how much stuff you get or how much fun you have if you die and you perish? Mm, that is one of the most sobering truths for all of us to learn. 
What does it profit a man to gain the world only to lose his soul? We all need to chew on that one this week, even if you're born again, because we all have those moments where we lose sight of what's truly important in life. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.